Amen. Sweet hour of prayer. Folks, I hope you got your Bible with you because we're going to be studying in chapter 18. Do a quick little review in 17, but we're going to be in 18. Now, last Wednesday, we looked at Babylon. And starting tonight, we're looking at Babylon destroyed. This is going to be part one. Probably two parts to it. But Babylon destroyed. Now, chapter 17, verse 1, uh, we see here a great whore that sitteth upon many waters. And here we have mystery Babylon, but we're still asking who or what is this Babylon? And the answer comes back that it's a political city or country, a group of cities, as well as a one world religious system, as well as a world center for all commerce and trade. So it seems to be a triad. So it's not just one part. Chapter 17, verses 3 to 5, gives us a, a description of this, this mystery Babylon. First, it's, it's called a mystery. And the word mystery means something that's hidden or mysterious. And therefore, we, we don't really think that it's the actual historical city of Babylon because it's a it's a mystery Babylon. And of course, it's called Babylon. And we, we noted the verses uh, in Jeremiah 51, verses 43, 41 to 43, where it spoke of multiple cities uh, connected with Babylon. That may have some clue as to the identity of Babylon. But the very name Babylon means confusion. It had its beginnings in the Tower of Babel when God confused the languages of the people there. Perhaps also this confusion refers to the fact that they may not be unified and that there may be tremendous unrest within Babylon. Perhaps also the confusion may uh, have something to do with the diverse types of sexual orientations within Babylon. And so we don't know for sure, we're just speculating, but it's mystery Babylon the Great. The idea here is that it's the greatest. There's been several places that have been referred to as Babylon, but this one tops them all. The greatest city or group of cities in the world. We might even say in the world today because we're pretty sure it's around here somewhere. Then it's called the Mother of Harlots. And this may and probably has something to do with the worship of Antichrist. And then finally, of abominations. And that may well include dietary, sexual, perhaps even human sacrifice, lots of confusion, lots of abomination there. We asked where Babylon could possibly be located. And the answers are probably as many as you can think of. All kinds of suggestions and many good suggestions too. Perhaps Rome, Italy, perhaps the Vatican, perhaps London, England, perhaps the the actual old city of Babylon, although I, we don't think so. Perhaps Los Angeles, perhaps New York, perhaps all of America itself. Many of these places have affectionately been known as Babylon. Even Jerusalem seems to at one point to have been referred to as Babylon. Now, we're not told where Babylon the Great is, and so we don't know for sure. But I'll tell you what, it's a mistake Hear me, it's a mistake 
to come to the Scriptures with preconceived ideas. If you come to the Scriptures with a preconceived idea as to who Babylon is, well, I think you're going to be in for a lot of trouble. You know, you're going to be trying to make all the little pieces fit, and they're not going to fit, and you're going to have to make up things. It's like uh, what some people have done with the 666 and how they try to go into all kinds of mental gymnastics to make it say what they want it to say. And they'll take the name of some world leader and they'll say, this is Antichrist. And they'll take his name and they'll work with it, with the 666, and they'll sometimes get some pretty outlandish stuff. And they'll say, see there, look, it fits. And it doesn't really. And so we have to be very honest here. We have to come with an open mind. Now, some people seem to think that Babylon is nothing more than a spiritual term for man's sinfulness. Well, that's another problem area. And I think that there's less problems with Babylon being an actual physical place than some kind of spiritual idea. However, what we do know is that Babylon will exercise control over all of the world politics and economics and religion. Now, chapter 17, verse 2 says about the kings and the people of the earth committing some type of fornication with it. And that's probably a giving of their hearts over to the Antichrist and to his system. In verse 15 of chapter 17, it talks about the, the waters which thou sawest, where the, where the whore sitteth, are people and multitudes and nations and tongues. The waters refer to the nations of the world, and Babylon will control. It's, she's pictured as on top here. She will control the nations of the world. Back in verse 6, we find that Babylon will be guilty of killing hundreds of millions of believers in Jesus Christ. And then verses 16 to 18 of chapter 17, we're told that the woman of verse 3 is Babylon. And now the context, I think, is very critical here because the context in chapter 17 seems to deal more with a religious nature, a religious aspect of Babylon. And apparently there are ten kings who will come on the scene and hate this religious Babylon and will actually destroy it. Tonight, we begin looking at the awful, complete, final, devastating destruction that is to come upon the rest of Babylon. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? We'll have a word of prayer before we continue our study. Our Heavenly Father, help us tonight to learn things that will move us to live for Jesus Christ in these last days. Father God, I, I don't know how many are watching tonight. I hope many, many of my people are watching this tonight. Father, I pray that you would speak to their hearts and that you might open their eyes, the eyes of their understanding, that they would see once again that this world is not our home. Help us to learn and to grow in faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, folks, let's start right in. Chapter 18, verse 1. And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. Verse, verse 2, the first part. And he cried, mightily with a strong voice. And so 
Here we have a, a powerful angel, a very strong, powerful angel. In fact, he's so strong, he comes down, he illuminates the world. He's got that much power somehow. And he makes the announcement that Babylon is fallen, is fallen. Now, please don't make a mistake here. This is not Armageddon. Armageddon happens at the very last moments of the, the tribulation, the very last days of the seven years. That's when Armageddon happens. This is not that. This is taking place perhaps weeks or months prior to the end of the tribulation. Now, we have here what appears to be a, a dual fall. Two times. Babylon is fallen. Is fallen. You see, it's mentioned two times. Why is it mentioned two times? Well, first, you can write this down. This is a quote out of Isaiah 21, verse 9. This is a quote of Old Testament Scripture. The double fall might be for emphasis. It might be like the, the angels who cried, Holy, holy, holy. It might be for emphasis. Or it might represent something else. Perhaps it refers to the religious part of Babylon having fallen in chapter 17. And now the economic, political aspect of Babylon falling in chapter 18. Either one. Now, chapter 18 and verse 2, this strong angel makes three prophecies saying what this Babylon is to become. And if you look at it, please with me. So Babylon, the great is fallen, is, fall, is fallen. We're in verse 2. And is become, here, here it is, number one, the habitation of devils. Boy, that doesn't sound good. In the New Testament, you would read about people who were inhabited by devils and all of the horrible behavior that went on. So no, no doubt where there is a habitation of devils, there is all kinds of confusion, all kinds of, of wickedness going on. So number one is a habitation of devils. Number two, a hold of every foul spirit. Say, what's the difference? Ephesians chapter 6 talks about the armor of God, and it talks about the different classifications of evil spirits. We don't know or understand all there is to know and understand about spiritual warfare and about Satan's kingdom, but we know some basics. He has it divided into different forms of spiritual wickedness. And we seem to have something like that suggested here. And then in verse 2, the end of verse 2, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. Now, we're reminded of Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 27, that says, as a cage is full of birds, so are the houses full of deceit. Again, it's a reference to, well, essentially all of this tells us that the once most beautiful city or country on earth, known as Babylon the Great, has now become some sort of prison for all of the wicked demons of Satan. Essentially, that's what we glean out of here. It means that the great Babylon will be turned into a horrible, hideous, spiritual dump. 
You might ask, why would God allow the destruction of Babylon the Great? What did it do? What is it guilty of? Chapter 18 and verse 3. The strong angel, the powerful one, then gives us three reasons why Babylon the Great is to be destroyed. He says here, For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Now we've considered this in chapter 17, this, this business of fornication, and it seems most likely that it is not so much a physical fornication as it is a spiritual fornication. And it's probably connected with some form of selling one's soul to the devil, as in taking the mark of the beast, the 666, and worshiping the Antichrist. Now we learned about that in chapter 13 of Revelation. Talks about people being forced to take the 666 in order to buy anything or sell anything. And so the bottom line, now look once again, the angel's giving us three reasons why the judgment of Almighty God is going to fall on this wicked city or group of cities. And the first reason is because all the nations of the world have drunk of the wine of her fornication. Bottom line, they're following the Antichrist. Strike one. The second reason that the angel gives us in verse 3, the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. Now, whatever this fornication is, and we're pretty sure it's a spiritual one, the kings of the earth have gotten involved with it. They too seem to have sold their soul to the devil and taken the mark and following the Antichrist and worshiping the Antichrist and following his system. The bottom line here, the leadership of the world, the kings, will be leading people to hell. Strike two. The third reason that the angel gives us in verse 3 is that the merchants of the earth are growing rich through the abundance of her delicacies. Now, there's nothing wrong, per se, with buying and selling and making a profit. There's nothing wrong with having a few nice things. That's as long as it's done honestly, as long as it's done honestly in the sight of God. Remember, not everything that's legal on earth is honest with God. But the context here is all about evil. Babylon the Great is a wicked place. It's an evil place. And every kind of sin and wickedness that can possibly be had are to be found here in Babylon the Great. And so the, the context is evil. And Babylon, Babylon the Great, will be filled with everything imaginable. And the merchants of the world are involved with wicked business practices. They're involved with dishonest and unlawful, shall we say, in the eyes of God, practices, abominations. Perhaps they bought and sold 
human slaves. Perhaps they're involved with the the trafficking of children. I really believe the world is going to change. We live in a wicked world, a world that's wicked enough, but it's going to become even more so. One day soon, when the Lord Jesus comes in the air to take us home, the rapture, the sound of the trumpet will be caught up. We are like the salt, the the preservative agent in the world, and we'll be taken out. The devil will have a field day. The world will plunge into sin and iniquity more than it's ever done before. It's going to be a whole new ball game, folks. The sale of human, human souls, pedophilia, the trafficking of children, sodomy, all kinds of sin and wickedness that we that we might be very glad that it's still on the the, uh, uh, the, the, the the criminal law books today, maybe sponged out tomorrow. And we we may we may be be horrified to find out the kinds of wickedness the world will be involved with. And Babylon the Great will be the center of it all. And the merchants of the world will come in and they will be involved in everything and probably hallucinogenic drugs as well. Bottom line, these people are trafficking in wickedness. Strike three. You're out of there. Now it's very important, folks. I want to just pause for a minute. It's very, very important to note the love of money. 1 Timothy 6.10 We're taught there that the love of money is the root of all wickedness, all evil. We're taught that. Babylon the Great is in love with money. Riches. Wealth. You see, I believe that's the root of their evil here. They loved the riches of Babylon. Beloved, may I hasten to say, be careful that you do not love money. You need money to pay your bills and to buy food and pay rent or mortgage, put gas in the car, pay for insurance, pay for braces on the the children's teeth, Put clothes on your back. Go on a vacation. We sort of need money. But we're not to love it. We're not to get down and grovel for it. We're not to sell our souls for it. We're not to love money. We're not to think about money. Dream about money. Hunger after money. Scheme and plan for money. We must be careful that we do not love money. Be careful not to be buying lotto tickets. I I think that probably most Christians don't buy lotto tickets because they know better. They know it's not right. But there are probably some Christians who have a lotto ticket in their purse or in their wallet or on the fridge with a magnet. You need to get rid of that thing. 
that thing comes with a curse. Listen, God will meet your needs by faith. If, listen, if you have a lotto ticket in your pocket, in your wallet, in your purse, on the fridge, on the bathroom mirror, whatever, if you've got a lotto ticket, by faith, get rid of that thing, would you? Tear it into little bits. The, the, the last thing you want is to, to win the world's millions. Because I'm telling you right now, with those millions come devils, demons. They will mess you up. You think you got problems now. Money's not going to fix those problems. Oh, beloved, don't fall in love with lotto tickets, you know, in hopes of getting rich. You're following right in line with Babylon the Great. Get out of all that stuff. Beloved, listen carefully. Be careful not to teach your children to make money the top priority in their lives. There's so many parents make this mistake and they're teaching their kids. Now kids, listen, if you want to have a good life, you need lots of money. In order to get lots of money, you're going to have to, to go and get a, an expensive education maybe and then go work for a big corporation and then you'll get the big bucks. Be careful of that line of thinking. Train up a child in the way that he shall go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. We need to train up our children in the way that God is calling us to train them and not the way the world is. Don't fall in line with the world's way. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Open your eyes. Unstop your ears. Realize this world is not our home. This world is madly pressing toward the Antichrist and the one world government. It'll be here before we know it. We need to live for the Lord Jesus now, today. Now, back to chapter 18, verses 4 and 5. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. Notice that. If you're living in Babylon, watch out. Because you'll be partaker of her sins and you'll be partaker of her plagues as well. Verse 5, For her sins have reached unto heaven and God hath remembered her iniquities. This is a horrible, this is, this is everything the world has to offer is found in Babylon the Great. What we see around us today in all of the nations of the world is they're, they're trying hard. They're, they're clawing and, and grasping and wheezing and struggling for wealth and prominence and power. It's going to find its culmination in this Babylon the Great, wherever that is. And God is telling His people, my people, come out of Babylon. Now, by the way, write this down, because this is a quote. These words are taken from Isaiah 48, verse 20. That's Isaiah 48, verse 20. Jeremiah, chapter 1, verse 8. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 8, and Jeremiah 51, 
verses 6 and 45. Jeremiah 51, verses 6 and 45. Now, apparently, there will be many of God's people in the tribulation living in Babylon at that time. And God now calls them out. Listen, Abraham's nephew, his name was Lot, L-O-T. And Lot was living in a wicked city called Sodom. And God sent two angels in there to call him out of there before destruction came. The Jews were living in a land called Egypt when God sent Moses and Aaron to call them out of there. And you remember the ten plagues that fell upon Egypt. Now last week, I shared with you that this world, to me, to me, this world is like one big Babylon the Great. That's what it feels like to me. Now the Bible says that we are in the world, but we must not become part of the world. We're in the world, but not of the world. We must live like citizens of heaven and be ready for when the Lord calls us home. Once again, let me caution you. If you've been living like a citizen of Babylon, you're making a big mistake, beloved. Huge mistake. I urge you to do as it says in 2 Corinthians 6.17. It says, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. There's words of wisdom in God's voice. When he calls to us, Beloved, come out of this world system. Come out, come out, come out. If you're saved, but you're attending some kind of mixed up church with bad doctrine, they don't teach salvation, they don't, they don't preach the gospel, you need to get out of that and get into a good Bible-believing, gospel-preaching church. That's what you need. If you're somehow involved with this world system and it's sweeping you along in its current, you need to realize that, yeah, it's going to take you over the waterfalls one day soon. You need to cry out to God and get out of there. Well, back to chapter 18. Look at verse 6. God says, reward her. That's Babylon. Babylon the Great. Reward her even as she rewarded you. And double under her. Double according to her works. In the cup which she hath filled. Filled to her double. Now here we have what I believe is God's righteous retribution. Ready to fall on Babylon the Great. Because the people of Babylon shed the blood of God's children, God is now commanding that Babylon receive double what they gave to the saints. Yeah. Imagine that. The Old Testament talks about an eye for an eye, a tooth for tooth. This is worse than that, beloved. This is double. This is more 
and righteous indignation. You don't go around hurting God's children and get away with it. You can't shed their blood and hold your hands up in purity and innocency before God. And Babylon's hands are stained, red blood stained with the blood of the martyrs. This woman who rides the beast, this Babylon, filthy. And God is commanding that she now receive double what she gave to the saints. Look at verse 7. How much she hath glorified herself and lived deliciously. So much torment and sorrow give her. For she saith in her heart, I sit a queen and am no widow and shall see no sorrow. Boy, she's full of pompous pride, isn't she? Nothing, nothing, nothing that Babylon has, has wanted has ever been denied her. She's got everything, everything, everything. Remember, she is the center of world commerce and trade. It's like she's the capital city or the capital country of the entire planet. And she's got all of the luxuries and everything, everything, everything possible is hers. And she took everything humanly possible. And to the degree to which she pampers herself and prides herself will be the degree to which she is punished. She is just full of herself, isn't she? And verse 8. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day. Death and mourning and famine. And she shall be utterly burned with fire. For strong is the Lord God who judges, judgeth her. In one day shall all these plagues and destruction come upon this city or the country. I mean, a city's bad enough. What happened to Beirut there last week? <gasps> my, oh my. Horrible. There's relief efforts trying to help out. I see in the news where the, all the government leaders have now stepped down. That poor country, I think, is on the brink of collapse, or it, it's actually collapsing. But the, we've got missionaries over in that area. And they're starting to do some kind of relief for some of the, the Christians who have suffered with that horrible explosion. And it, it remains to be seen whether it was just a pure accident like the experts are saying. Or whether there was some terrorist plot involved. We don't know. Wouldn't surprise me, I guess, if there was a plot the way the world is going. Horrible, horrible, horrible things are happening every day, every day in the news. Shootings and bombings and now the weather is convulsing and we've got upon us 100 mile an hour winds ripping through North America. We've, we've got heat waves going. We've, we've got earthquakes happening. A series of them, boom, 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 happening down around the San Andreas Fault in California. People are wondering, is this going to trigger the big one? <laughs> COVID-19 all around the world. Economies now ready to collapse because of that. On and on it goes. Folks, 
hey, wake up and smell the coffee. I think we're in the last days. The rapture is soon to happen. The tribulation is soon to begin. Oh, what a world this will be. I'll tell you what. In the tribulation, these will be considered the good old days. Oh, if only we could go back to the days in 2020, August 2020, when we had COVID and we had high gas prices and the prices of houses were high. Those will be the good old days compared to what's coming down the pipe for this old world. I can guarantee you that. But in one day shall her plagues and her destruction come. Her entire kingdom will be destroyed by fire. Isaiah 13, 19 says, And Babylon, the glory of kingdoms, the beauty of the Chaldees' excellency, shall be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, the original, folks, the original Babylon suffered sudden and complete devastation and destruction. And so will Babylon the great, Sodom and Gomorrah, in one day, suffered the vengeance of fire and brimstone, and it wiped them out. And so will Babylon the great. The destruction is so great, so devastating, that it'll surpass any destruction that man has ever seen on the earth. And we're going to look at it, God willing, next Wednesday, if we're still here. Listen, this world is on a collision course with destruction and hell, and we must use our remaining time to help rescue the perishing. I encourage you, get involved with the fire brigade. You can show up here Saturday, 945. Help us out. We're putting gospel literature in mailboxes. Someone will get saved because of it. I encourage you, make use of the Bible college. Take online classes. Start supporting gospel preaching missionaries through our missions program. Take advantage of these opportunities, beloved. Now I ask you this. Has someone done you wrong? Has someone hurt you? Has someone caused an offense? Rest assured God knows all about it. And rest assured that God will settle the accounts. And the Bible is abundant with evidence. Proverbs 20, 22, Say not thou, I will recompense evil, but wait on the Lord, and he shall save thee. You just think what God's going to do to Babylon the great. He's going to recompense them. 2 Thessalonians 1, 6, Seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. Romans 12, verse 19, Dearly beloved, Avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Matthew 5.39, Jesus said, But I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. Romans 12.21, Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. We're going to have a word of prayer. And I'm going to ask you again, if this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you go to the donation page and help us out? Would you do that? If this ministry on Wednesday night has touched your heart and helped you in any way, 
would you go to the donation page now and help us out to continue, continue spreading the gospel. Heavenly Father, bless us. Bless your people. Strengthen us in faith. Help us to come out of the world system and live our lives for Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord, please bless your people tonight. And especially bless those who give by faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.